Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It starts with one I don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. It starts with one thing. And now with the Super Bowl over in the end, it doesn't really matter. And so time to move on to the offseason, really the Cleveland Browns Super Bowl. Thanks for stopping by this Locked on Browns podcast. I'm your host, Jared Mueller. You can always get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Love interacting with the fans. Love talking through where things are, how people are doing, um, thoughts, comments, concerns, why they think I'm too optimistic, too happy, all of those kind of things. And so today we'll talk a little bit about the, about the Tyvis Powell uh, claim, well, and then we'll talk a lot about the Super Bowl, some takeaways, what we learned, what we saw, uh, just kind of what we can learn from what happened there. Obviously, uh, we don't want to extrapolate that to one game to kind of everything, but I think it's important to kind of take a look at how that game went and what it could mean for how the Browns prioritize things. And so starting off, the Cleveland Browns today kind of started the offseason claiming Tyvis Powell, uh, who went undrafted out of Ohio State and was picked up uh, by the Seattle Seahawks, Uh, but he was waived for the playoffs so that they could sign Devin Hester. And so uh, undrafted, wave doesn't really seem to push, ooh, this is an important decision or important pickup. But when you look at kind of uh, a number of people from Seattle, including the Seattle Times, um, there's you can kind of read kind of what's going on. And so uh, Seattle Times uh, article says, instead, Seattle got official word Monday of what it'd be. It had begrudgingly expected was likely to happen, that Powell had been claimed by another team. Later, it says, Powell became something of an organization and fan favorite when he made the Seattle 53-man roster with some strong performance uh, in uh, preseason. Pete Carroll saying, I don't remember a first-year guy having a first game that it was that obvious like that. It was very impressive. Now, he played in eight total games for Seattle, primarily on special teams, making three tackles. So you're not talking about someone who's had a huge impact, but... When you hear a team like Seattle, you hear a fan base like Seattle's talking about this backup player, you're not talking about a Browns team and a Browns fan base who are excited about often a lot of backup players. You're talking about a fan base and an organization that really knows what they're looking at and looking for. And so um, you got to be excited about what the Browns um, have done in this pick especially because you know the Browns, if you've listened to me long enough, the Browns' safeties are perhaps the worst uh, group unit on the team. They have other issues, 
but the safeties are the worst unit on the team. And so um, he actually tweeted out, Tavis Powell did, um, thanking God um, for getting to play for his team. He said, there is a God blessed by the best Cleveland made and Cleveland paid. And so um, Powell coming out uh, six foot two, um, 211 pounds, six foot three by some people, 32 inch arms, good enough, hand size, nine and a half inches. Uh, he ran a 4.46. So again, think about a six foot three guy running a 4.46 uh, coming out of Ohio State uh, at 210 pounds. And so a lot of positives to him. Um, he's not a huge thumper. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of where the Browns see him. He's pretty much a free safety. Uh, but the Browns really have an opportunity with Tyvis Powell to add another young player to their mix at the position that they have a lot of needs. And so now I'm a Buckeyes fan, like many of you, and so getting a Buckeye is always exciting. Um, he has good ball skills. Uh, he can play the run. He's got a good enough uh, range and speed, good leaper. Um, he's just not maybe... Um, overall this amazing talent or this amazing athlete, but he's a high-level athlete uh, who fits in kind of what they want to do uh, in Cleveland. And Cleveland wants athletes, good personalities, hard workers, those kind of things. And so um, Tavis Powell is kind of all of that. And so again, 4.46 is amazing for a six foot two, six foot three guy who runs at about 210 pounds. His shuttle time was good. Uh, his three cone was fine. His broad jump, 120 inches, was fine. All of those things were good. Um, so again, is it going to be something where all of a sudden Tyvis Powell means they don't need somebody? Probably that's a little strong, but they could give them some versatility. And what I love to see out of Sashi Brown uh, and the Browns front office is they are taking chances on players who, again, have high physical upside, good character, and kind of good, strong leadership. And so now they've got players who um, who could make something of themselves as long as the coaching is there, as long as their drive is there. And so we'll figure that out as we go. Darius uh, Jackson, the running back uh, from Dallas, is a good example of that, as well as Tyrone Holmes and a lot of the other guys that they picked up. So Thomas Powell is now a Cleveland Brown. We actually have a free safety that – maybe could start next year, uh, but definitely gives us some flexibility uh, and some options kind of going forward uh, and has some upside. And it's good to know that Seattle really wanted to keep him. That says a lot of good things about the new Cleveland Brown. The fact that he's from Ohio, from Ohio State, and is excited to play for his hometown team, all the better. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you. Let's get right into last night. And so uh, the Atlanta Falcons took a huge lead on the New England Patriots and fumbled it away and not really fumbled it, just really didn't play the type of football that they played to get the lead, struggled running the ball, something Kyle Shanahan, uh, like a lot of players kind of, or a lot of uh, offensive coordinators, 
fall in love with the pass, uh, make some maybe illogical decisions uh, in play calling. Um, and so we have the New England Patriots. The Patriots are the NBA champion. Or I'm sorry, the NFL champion. That's what happens when the Cavs game's on. And so what do we take from that? And so when I looked at this game, what was really interesting to me is that the Falcons uh, were leading this game with a lot of weapons around a very good quarterback in Matt Ryan, um, a, a defense that took the ball away from Tom Brady primarily because of a pass rush up the middle. And so Grady Jarrett had himself a game yesterday. Um, but it was really that middle pressure that really caused the Patriots a lot of problems. 28-3, lead, evaporates, tie game, overtime, see you later. And so what's interesting to me about the game is that for Miles Garrett, as we talk about kind of a player who uh, should be making his way to Cleveland uh, this year as that kind of edge rusher, he's not Vic Beasley, but it's important to understand that for the Atlanta Falcons, Vic Beasley was their guy, uh, had a great season this uh, this year. But when we look at his stats, and even sometimes you don't want to just look at stats, but when you look at his stats, zeros across the board until you get to passes defended, he had one quarterback hit. Now, obviously, the um, Patriots could do a lot to get him kind of out of rhythm. Um, but for the season, Vic Beasley was a monster. 15 and a half sacks, six forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, right? That's a monster playing on the outside. Now, Miles Garrett is a few inches taller and a 20 to 40 pounds heavier. So he's a he's got more dynamic play to him. But when you look at Vic Beasley, you look at a player who was pretty much taken out of the game. He was taken out of the game in the Super Bowl, but he was also taken out of the game in every playoff game. He had two assisted tackles, all three playoff games. Two assisted tackles, two pass defended, no sacks, no strips, no fumble recoveries, no interceptions. You're not talking about a player who made a lot of plays in the playoffs after having, again, 15 and a half sacks in the regular season. Now, you need those sacks. Those sacks are important. On the other hand, when you look at the New England defense, Trey Flowers, two and a half sacks, really plays that versatile role for the Patriots that a Miles Garrett could play for the Browns. Uh, again, he's a defensive lineman, defensive uh, uh, linebacker, only six foot two, 265 pounds. But he's someone who who made a lot of impact being able to rush kind of up the middle more than really kind of rushing on the outside. And so what we know is the best way to impact a quarterback is to put pressure up the middle. Now, it's more difficult. Up the middle, you tend to get more help, whether that's a center helping a guard, a guard helping a center, running backs, whatever it is. But if you can get that pressure up the middle, even quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Matt Ryan, who get rid of the ball very, very quickly, you can make them uncomfortable, like what happened yesterday with Grady Jarrett, uh, with Trey Flowers. Allen Branch got a half a sack. Jabal Shear got a half a sack. A lot of uh, Dante Hightower got a sack. A lot of that was pressure up the middle. That wasn't those pure speed rushers coming off the edge. Because even if you have a very good speed rusher, they don't often get to the quarterback as quickly as someone who can 
cause pressure up the middle. Talking about the Warren Saps and the Geno Atkins and whoever else you want to talk about from that middle pressure. And again, Grady Jarrett isn't someone who you would look at and say, wow, this guy's going to be a great uh, pass rusher. But you do look at someone who is an effort guy, who's able to make quick moves, and who then gets to the quarterback and causes all kinds of havoc. So does that mean Jonathan Allen over Miles Garrett? I wouldn't say that for sure. Again, you have to draft talent, but it's important to understand um, why I would say a three-technique defensive tackle is not far off from an important importance role as Miles Garrett as an edge rusher, as getting another safety or three uh, to help the defense, because that pressure up the middle can make a huge impact. If you have Miles Garrett and Emmanuel Ogba coming off the edge and there's no pressure up the middle, the quarterback can just step up. And so it's important that the Cat or the Browns not only hit on Miles Garrett with the number one overall pick, but whether it's with 12, 33, 52, on and on and on, somewhere the, the Browns or in free agency, the Browns have to get some type of three technique. A line of Miles Garrett, a solid to great three technique, Danny Shelton, and Emmanuel Ogba gives the Browns a lot of great options on that defensive line and should put the line in position to allow the rest of the team to look better behind them. Now, Carl Nassib could be a piece of that. He's a weird fit for a three technique. He's more of a, a defensive end, five technique kind of guy. Um, Xavier Cooper has shown some, not great. And the returning Desmond Bryant uh, is a little aged, could be impactful next year, but uh, isn't going to be that long-term fit. What really I can take away from, from the Super Bowl, and maybe this is oversimplifying, but it showed me what a quarterback means. Whether it was Tom Brady or Matt Ryan, especially Tom Brady uh, late in the game, who honestly played very bad for him. I know that sounds crazy. That was not a great game by Tom Brady. That was even probably a good game by Tom Brady. He was behind a number of receivers. Uh, that amazing Julian Edelman catch was because he basically threw that uh, to, I believe it was Mario Alford, the cornerback from the Falcons, who just couldn't get his head around quick enough. Tom Brady didn't have a great game, and yet there they were. There were the Patriots, able to kind of march down the field, kind of get what they want when they needed it, because Tom Brady was in control. And I think more than anything, that's what you saw out of Tom Brady and what the New England Patriots and what a good quarterback to great quarterback can do controls the game. So you look at his numbers, they're crazy. 62 pass attempts. 62 pass attempts with a lot of pressure in his face. He had one interception. He completed 43 of those 62 pass attempts. Again, he completed 43 of 62. That's an amazing number. 19 incompletions, not great until you think about 63 pass attempts. When you look at the rest of the team, when you look at the names, listen, I think Julian Edelman is a very, very good wide receiver. I think the Browns at least have two wide receivers that can or will be better in Terrell Pryor and Corey Coleman. LeGarrette Blunt, 
eh, not really that impressed. James White had a great game, 14 receptions, 110 yards, a touchdown. He also carried the ball six times for 29 yards, had two touchdowns, had that uh, two-point conversion, all of those things. From a talent perspective, I think Duke Johnson is better than James White. But without a quarterback to kind of control things, that looks totally different. Outside of Julian Edelman, I think Danny Amendola is okay. Malcolm Mitchell is a rookie. Uh, I think Rashad, uh, Higgins, Rashad Higgins is probably a similar type of player. Uh, Martellus Bennett uh, is a very good tight end and is huge, which is really helpful. Uh, as a red zone threat, first down threat, all of that kind of stuff. But you're not talking about this amazing level of talent. You're talking about a talented group of guys. Again, you have to have talent that Tom Brady makes better, even on his bad games. And again, folks, I know he won and I know he led this comeback. Can we be really honest that that wasn't a great game? A sharp Tom Brady completes a lot more of those passes. There were a lot of balls behind. Uh, there were balls that were knocked down because they were behind. They were low. Um, they weren't huge. There weren't a lot that were high. They were definitely low. But that wasn't a great Tom Brady game. And again, he elevated a, the rest of the team around him. He made the right plays. He was calm and comfortable in the pocket. He didn't get overly stressed. So what did the Super Bowl tell me about our Cleveland Browns? Nothing that you didn't know. The Browns need a quarterback. But does that quarterback have to be Andrew Luck? I don't think so. Does that quarterback have to be Tom Brady? I don't think so. That quarterback has to be someone who's calm in the pocket, who can control the offense, and who's accurate. They have to have enough arm to get the ball places. Listen, Tom Brady can float a ball in perfectly on a wheel route, which is amazing. But he has enough arm to hit that out across the field that cornerbacks have 15 seconds to get to it. Um, but it's just fast enough to get there. Right? They don't he doesn't have to have a cannon. So does that mean in a quarterback at number one? No. It could. Does that mean drafting Jimmy Garoppolo because he learned at the feet of Tom Brady? No, but he could. Again, does that mean Jonathan Allen because that interior pressure is more rare and is and is really more impactful if you can get it? No. What it means is the Browns have to have a plan. The Browns have to have a quarterback. They have to. There's no doubt in anyone's mind they have to have a quarterback. If that meant trading every pick in this draft to make sure they got a quarterback, that's what they should do. Thankfully, they won't have to. They could have their pick of quarterbacks at number 12. More likely, there'll be one or two of the top three quarterbacks available to them at number 12. And it's possible that Jimmy Garoppolo is that guy. Either way, what we learned yesterday in the Super Bowl is the Browns are a quarterback away from even being close to having a chance. Everything else can work itself out. The New England Patriots have talent around them. It doesn't work without Tom Brady. And Tom Brady has made it work no matter what the talent is around him. What do you think, Browns fans? Is it as simple as just find the quarterback? Is that oversimplifying the problems? 
tell me about it. Get a hold of me on Twitter, at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by this Locked On Browns podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and go Browns.